Hey, guess what? It's time for making kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Hello and welcome to a super special Bono episode of Making Kayfabe. We're back. It's Bryson down here ramping up for season 6 of the Making Cafe podcast. We're excited to be here after a bit of a break and today, in anticipation for season 6, we're going to rank the top 5 Making Cafe episodes of all time. Before I get into how we're actually going to do that, I'd like to welcome my great friend coming all the way from Ireland. He is one half of the team who finished last place in <laughs> Gate Leaper's Season 2 Episode 8 game in the Ruthless Aggression Era. It's Dylan! How are you, Dylan? Oh, you're... That, this was the worst thing, is that whenever you want, I'm like, he's, he's never going to let me forget this. Just going <laughs> bragging about it forever and ever. I think I made it like one minute into the episode before I mentioned it, yeah. Well, congratulations, Bryce. Other than being a complete loser, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, my mom says I'm cool. How dare you? I mean, we, we have, um, we, we of course have one half of the team who finished first place in Gate Leapers Season 2, Episode 8 game in the Ruthless Aggression Era. It's uh-huh. me, until, Bryce. Until he yeah. gets replaced at the beginning of Season 6. After he <laughs> accidentally dies when a piano falls in his head. Who could have seen a coming? Well, that's... So many, so many pianos. Like, honestly, I, I can't see for pianos right now. Why are there the so moment. many pianos, like, right above your house? On, this, on, yeah, on the ceiling as well, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's ridiculous. How did they get there? That must cost a fortune to suspend them because they're very heavy yeah but and also pianos are really expensive to begin well, with you get like a thousand two thousand three thousand pound per piano yeah, for a grand piano and i mean like only the best to kill bryce you, 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 don't, you don't have that money this podcast isn't that lucrative exactly that there that's a perfect alibi <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't me i couldn't afford 17 pianos or however many pianos it was <laughs> it might not be 17 I don't know M- moving away from pianos um, so it is true that Audra and I team less than Ruth kicked the kayfabe keisters of Dylan and Jason on and I don't say this lightly one of the most fun podcasts we've ever been a part of you're not going to uh, say the full name of our team uh, I, I, I do have it here um, so you know it's uh, what was it team, team motherfucker slash the myth sucks slash Montavia slash Wang Yang Yes, that's it. Yeah, so, but yeah, quick, quick uh, plug to those guys because we genuinely had an absolute blast. Uh, It was wonderful. It was wonderful. It really was. Um, It's hosted by a good friend of making kayfabe, Matt, and they do deep dives into pop culture fandoms via a panel show or a pop quiz, if you like. And every episode features kind of hilarious little mini games that completely fit the subject of the show. Uh, Matt, Audra, Jason are all super cool, hilarious folks. So if you like wrestling or Marvel, Pokemon, The Office or Simpsons Seasons 3 to 12, among many others, Gate Leapers has a panel show podcast for you. Check it out in your favourite podcast app. The name is Gate Leapers. Trust me, we don't plug anything on the show if we don't think it's good. And Gate Leapers is worth your time, folks. You will not regret checking it out. And yeah, what well, once again, in case you forgot, Audra and Bryce, aka Team Less and Roof, were completely victorious over Jason and Dylan, aka Team Motherfucker, The Miz Sucks, Montavious Wang Yang. Thank you. That's my full. Anyway. That's my full legal name. <laughs> that's a, you've changed your name since, yeah. Um, guys, if you're listening to this, like, get in touch with Gailey Bruce. Tell him that we sent you because I think you're gonna love that show. It's really, really good. And then listen yeah. to our show uh, a couple more times just to exactly. really make it clear that we bring in the ratings. You know, then that's they'll have us back <laughs> on, and then I'll win. 
because Bryce will be dead from piano falling. So you know. I think there. I think there was like one point in it, right? I think just like literally a point. Yeah, it was um, really close. But, yeah. but of course, no, Bryce, no will forget, right. Bryce will forget that part of history later on when he tells it to his kids. <laughs> Anyway, we're here to rank the top five Making Cave episodes of all time, so let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to explain exactly how this is all going to work. So first off, Dylan and I are going to rank each other's top five episodes. So I'll rank what I think Dylan's top five were with a brief explanation for all, and then Dylan will rank my top five episodes and vice versa. Then we'll rank our own episodes and assign a score to each, but... To find the true top five episodes of all time, we can't just get the actual host of the podcast opinion because Dylan and I are massive marks for ourselves, so it just true. wouldn't be fair. With that in mind, we asked some of Making Kayfabe's top listeners to rank their own top five episodes and send them through to us via email and DM. And to go along with that, we're going to factor in uh, YouTube views as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast downloads, as well as our own picks to truly figure out what is the best Making Kayfabe episode of all time. And briefly, here's how the scoring's going to work. It's pretty simple, really. If, if somebody ranks an episode as number one, then that episode will receive five points. If somebody ranks an episode as number two, that episode will receive four points. Ranked three, three points. Ranked four, two points. And the episode ranked five will receive one point. Once we have the full rankings, we'll add everything together in a little spreadsheet I've made up, and then we'll know the official top five Making Cave episodes of all time. So hey, that's about enough explanation for I... We're going to kick things off with Dylan and I's ranking, so let's get to it. Alright, I'll kick things off here with my ranking of Dylan's Making KVF episodes, and I'll start off by saying, like, dude, I don't know about you, but I did not find this easy at all. Um, I've been looking at this sheet of paper I've got for a week, and I've written several different top fives. Um, it is a very tough thing to do, so um, you know, just bear that in mind. So, we'll go from number five to number one, and I, I want to quickly mention, perhaps honourably for mm. for the right honourable gentleman Dylan of making kayfabe, there was one episode that I made a very tough decision on, which did not make the top five, and that was your first ever making kayfabe episode. Taz is awesome. It just missed out on the top five because it was super close between this and what did get number five. So I just want to give that particular episode its props because booking Taz as an unstoppable hardcore champion is an incredible idea and you pulled it off perfectly. But anyway, here's what I have to say as Dylan's top five making KFA fantasy bookings of all time. So are you ready? Yes. None of them. Yeah. Um, Mike so, Bennett. <laughs> Any rebooking that has Mike Bennett in it gets 70 bonus points. So put that in the spreadsheet. Oh, look at who the winner is. It's Mike Bloody Bennett. Nice work, boy. That would be really helpful if anyone voted for Mike Bennett. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even vote for Mike Bennett, so... <laughs> spoiler alert, but... <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. Mike Bennett got no votes at all. Um, that's just par for the course, I think, for Mike Bennett. <laughs> Not fair. <laughs> Alright, at number five, we have Retribution. Yeah. And uh, yeah, th- this is how Retribution should have been booked. Um, like, y- you literally couldn't have made their booking any worse than what it was in TV, but you wrote what is definitely one of the most unique storylines I've ever heard. Um, I-, I love the idea of Retribution's members not only being the on screen wrestlers, like you see Ali and T Bar and Mace, etc., but extending to like the camera operators and like the people in the production truck and the event staff and beyond. Um, Retribution became so much bigger 
than it appeared at the start of the rebooking and and the arc of them looking down uh, sorry locking down the performance center with them inside was fantastic like really really well written stuff thank you i really like that one and tr typically i was really annoyed that the wwe didn't like didn't go anywhere near it you know no not the, nowhere not near like not, not, not even close, close. no um, poor, poor ali like poor you but also poor ali um, I know, know but uh, like since then I'm like man those retribution guys all deserve way better than what they got and mm, you know, mm. I, I really well, wish it. that what? stable could have yeah. worked I think it could have worked that's the thing about retribution is you know the WWE is full of like silly dumb gimmicks that, that like we were slagging off the Piggy Blinders crew or whatever um, <laughs> not so long ago but retribution is one of those gimmicks where I'm like that totally could have worked if they put like one percent of effort into it, but they just yeah. did it and then forgot about it immediately, and that's what sucks, you know. I think they, they could have yeah. been super cool. They just gave them a bunch of chainsaws to cut the ropes, and then that was the coolest thing. And they that, ever was did. Right, that was it, right? But that was yeah. it. That, nothing that else. That, that, that was that. Um, that was like, it. Yeah, exactly. You could, nothing. You, yeah, you could have made it something, and I'm really disappointed, but not surprised that they yeah. didn't. And what's what's T Bar doing these days? What's Mace doing these days? What's uh, Maya Maya Yim? She's left, right? She she's, left. she's out of there. Mace like, is now, I think, being managed by um, LA Knight. Oh, really? Yeah, but that's only recently happened. So again, right. like, there's been a big fucking gap between <laughs> Retribution oh, and now, you know? Um, yeah. And Ali's just come back after like a six month, like. Um, like a hiatus. Hiatus, that's the word, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it did not go well for them. But they're my number five pick. Nice. At number four, we have a new World Order. Ah, the first one? Uh, the first one, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's funny you say the first one because this episode was so good that it had our listener base at the time begging for part two. And, you know, we've been asked for part twos many times before, but nothing got as many requests as your NWO booking did, which kind of twisted your arm enough to eventually deliver part two in season three, which was also great. Um, there's a big swerve in this episode that I never saw coming because you disguised it beautifully, which is ironic because it's Hulk Hogan turning heel and joining the NWO, which has obviously been done before. Which is exactly but, how like, it started. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> with that in mind, I still never saw it coming because your your lead your lead up to that, like, just like I say, disguised it so well. And um, like I remember a few listeners at the time after hearing that episode, DMing the same feedback and saying, "I must hear part two. And then there's one hell of a cliffhanger at the end of that episode as well, which I think is what you know sealed the deal for people asking for part two. And uh, yeah, as of um, the end of April in 2022, it's the only episode which has actually had a part two. Um, so it can't just be me who thought it was just utterly excellent. Thank you. I thought that the twist you were referring to, mm. um, again, I thought that was super obvious. I'm like, if if if, because they they turned Hogan face again, and I'm like, the clearly because the crowd really <laughs> want to see Hogan as a face. Clearly, the smartest thing to do is to turn him heel again yep. and like really fuck him over. Because yeah. that's what that's exactly what they want, and you give it to them for like a little bit, and then take it away again. You're like, oh, that's wonderful. You know what I mean? Like that's real, like, yeah. Fucking kicking the dick kind of heat, you know? Uh, which is what the NWO should have been getting, you know? But you were playing him as such a face, so it genuinely caught me by surprise. Like I listened to the episode this week, and you can just hear my reaction on it. Like, oh, like, I've been swerved something rotten. So that's what's number four. The NWO is number four for me. At number three. We have Bobby Cannon, we have Ivory, we have a reformed <laughs> P 
pimp and porn star, we have Stevie fucking Richards. It's the episode titled, Is It Wrong or Right to Censor? And I think this episode in particular has like a massive legacy with making kayfabe listeners. <laughs> yeah. um, like, obviously, we go on about Stephen Richards a lot. You know, we're yeah. big fans, even more so because he was kind enough to record a little message for us in season four. But all of that started with this episode, basically. Yeah. And yeah. there can't be many people who have made an attempt at turning Stephen Richards into a bona fide main eventer. But boy, howdy, you did a. <laughs> Hell of a job here, from Stevie being part of the, the WWF board to winning the Royal Rumble to becoming WWE champion, WWF champion, uh, and then the invasion stuff as well. This episode was like all go. And, uh, you know, also the inclusion of Rikishi in the faction as well, um, which was an interesting move. Like, he'd have kind of fit in nicely with Right to Censor, the kind of image of, you know, censoring wrestling. But yeah, legendary episode of Making Kayfabe. It, capped off our first ever season and as you know Dylan the reception to it was a big part of us deciding to continue with season 2 and uh, the rest is obviously history. People just love Stevie Richards that's the that's fact. It. Um, that's it Steve, Stevie brings the ratings. It's big Stevie cool everybody loves him mm. you know mm. um, I, I one thing I have noticed is that as the seasons have gone on after season 1 we have focused a lot more on keeping everything very realistic you know everything sure. that could happen everything that does happen in our rebookings for the most part could easily happen within the confines of history and it all kind of makes sense but the right to censor one i will admit was a lot of fantasy booking on my behalf i really went to town with that one just because i was like oh you know that let's let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> And like you, you, the thing is though, like you, you, that that was used towards making the episode all, all action. Like there's yeah. so much stuff going on. It's like uh, it's like it's like organized chaos basically. It's great. And um, there's so much going on, so many cool things. And uh, yeah, like we did edge more towards reality and uh, in, in, in some fashions. Uh, maybe not of the the zombie episodes, but yeah, there's been a couple. Um, De- Death yeah. Cooker. There's been a couple where we. Kind of... <laughs> you try to tell me Death Cooker is not realistic. Okay. Well. The, are you te- you try to tell me that a turkey biting Nick Gage and, and turning him into a zombie is not realistic? I mean, you're right. That one totally makes sense. But you know, some it's of the other the ones, most realistic. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, like the 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 zombie one. Yeah. Maybe oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit of uh, fantasy booking in there. But of course, the, the gobbledygooker was totally based on real. That was a real story. Real story. Real yeah. life. I just told it as it ha- as it happened. Yeah, know? we were there. Remember. Um, God, we were was, there, yeah. You were the Goblin Duker, I remember. Yeah, yeah. shh, don't. <laughs> Sorry. Tell anybody. We're going to ruin kayfabe. <laughs> we make kayfabe, we don't keep kayfabe. Yeah, we don't break it. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so that's number three. Um, at number two, so we're in the top two now, we have Bret Hart goes to WCW. Mm. And... This episode was awesome for many, many reasons. Uh, firstly, as, as some listeners know, I wasn't too in the loop with most of what happened in WCW. I've never watched it, and I've only went back and watched like small chunks. So not only did Dylan write a great story here, but you got someone invested who doesn't know a whole lot about WCW to begin with. Um, so a remarkable job there. And to date, I think the cleverest spot in making KFAP history appears in this booking. 
Um, mm. We have Bret Hart versus Sting uh, for the WCW World Heavyweight title at one point in this rebooking. And towards the end of the match, there's a big swerve where Sting gets thrown out of the ring and a mystery man blows white powder into Sting's face. Now, bear in mind, Sting wears mostly white face paint, so having white powder blown into the face is not something that a referee would pick up on. And the way you wrote it, Dylan, fucking genius. You had him clawing at his face, trying to get the powder out, which the referee saw as a tap-out to Bret Hart's sharpshooter. It's a fucking fantastic swerve. Extremely clever, and that's gone a, a long way to earn at the number two spot here. Thank you. That, again, is one of those things where you think, it's so, like, simple, mm. but really effective. And then you see, you're like, why wouldn't WCW think of that? And then you watch WCW, and you're like, oh... Yeah. Okay. Now you were saying you weren't too familiar with WCW. There's a good reason for that. A lot of it wasn't good. I mean, Sucked. that's yeah. that's why I had to rebook <laughs> Bret Hart because they royally fucked him over. Yeah. Like again and again, you know, and not just Bret Hart. Like Bret Hart was one of those like, it's easy money. It's 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 very simple. How do you fuck this up? And they were like, just sit back and watch, man. Yeah. <laughs> We'll show you. Yeah. But no, that, that that spot is genius. And I'm surprised that not even WCW didn't do it, but nobody did it, I don't think. I don't think yeah. that spot's ever been done to Sting. And it just I makes sense because he's got white face paint. But, I don't think anybody's uh, done that spot. Genius. Absolute genius. But tell you what, what is what is number one? You know, what do I think is Dylan's best making kayfabe fantasy booking of all time? So, again, I fought long and hard about this. Choosing a top five was a nightmare, but... Choosing the top one was like some kind of sleep paralysis demon kind of shit, like the worst kind of nightmare. But I had to decide, and I legit only actually decided a couple of hours ago, but I'm sticking with it. Um, I think that the best making KFA fantasy booking by yourself, Dylan, is Keith Lee's Limitless Potential. Ah, okay. Dr. Keith Lee. Dr. Keith Lee, I think you'll think. He's a doctor. Um <laughs> With the top five, I think I made it pretty obvious that I love a good swerve, and this one, the swerve came early. In this episode, you had me uh, questioning pretty early on if you were taking the piss with the rebooking, but then you turned it completely on its head and made this an incredible rebooking. Obviously, the swer- what happened before the swerve seemed like you were taking the piss with that storyline, but it all <laughs> fucking worked out so well. This is a, it's a very kind of worked shoot style storyline, but yeah. it made complete sense for someone in Keith Lee's position at WWE at that point. And I remember as well, the episode wasn't even planned to be in season five. Um, I think mm. Keith Lee got released and you were immediately like, you know, I, 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 need to, I need to book this total fuck up. So it all yeah. came together pretty quickly. Um, I'm pretty sure it was meant to be um, Albert. I was Keith supposed Lee's to be place. Albert, yeah. Yeah, which became a Patreon episode. But, wow, man, like, this Keith Lee booking is absolutely your finest work. The episode itself, too, is so great. You know, I had an absolute joy listening back to it, and I think it deserves a top spot on this list. You know, Keith Lee's limitless potential is freaking awesome. Thank you. I really like that one, too, because, like you said, I kind of came up with it really quickly. Um, I was like, well, how do I rebook Keith Lee? Like, they did a really good job with him in NXT, but... On the main roster, you have to be a little different. You have to be a little bit more in your face. And I also thought this was a little bit, like you said, it's a little bit work shooty. Like it's um, blurring the lines a lot. Mm. And I wasn't sure if uh, I wasn't sure if that was appropriate for the main roster. But then they do kind of do that sometimes. 
Sometimes, you yeah. know. So I'm like, well, maybe that would, you know, if it's Keith Lee doing it, you get one guy doing it out of the whole roster, that would draw a lot of attention to him and and yeah. get people to notice him, you know. Um, and the doctor thing, I was so proud of because <laughs> because for a long time I could hear you just being like, he's a fucking doctor, like. What the, <laughs> what you know, the fuck I could, is I going could, on? I could, I, yeah, I could feel it. I could feel like the disappointment. Where you were like, <laughs> is, is he really sticking with the doctor thing? You know, and that was wonderful because that's part of the swerve. You know, because that's you what totally you want. got me. You, you totally wanted everybody got me. in the in the arena to be exactly like that. Yes, to be like, exactly. What the fuck? He's a doctor? Like, yes, he's not a doctor. That's the you know, that's the swerve. Hook, line, and sinker. You yeah. got me. You completely got me in that episode. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. He made Keith Lee a badass, which was what he was in NXT, but he made him even more of a badass in the main roster. And it's just a fucking shame that they wanted to make him the Bearcat and all that kind of shit. So, but yeah, that is an incredible rebooking. Um, and that's why it gets the top spot. But hey, that's my top five uh, of Dylan's making KFA fantasy bookings. Um, so we had in fifth place, we had Retribution. In fourth place, a new world order. In third place, right to censor. And second place, we had Bret Hart. And in first place, we had Keith Lee. So, but what does Dylan think of my rebookings? There's only one way to find out. Let's go on to that segment right now. Okay, so kind of like you did, Bryce. I have a few honorable mentions as well because, ah. as you know, like you mentioned. It's it's really tough, and we don't want to toot our own horns here, but like, we like to think that we hold ourselves to a certain level of quality. Sure. And so when it comes to trying to look back through these and trying to pick like five classic episodes, it's it's easy to pick classic episodes, but it's harder to like rank them and only pick five. So because of that, I have two honorable mentions uh, for you, one of which is Viscera. Because oh, nice. I know how much you like Viscera and how much like effort <laughs> and time you put into that rebooking. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> I think that it deserves an honorable mention at least because I think that sure. that was a really good. And that's kind of when we were. I really think that season five was our best season. Mm, mm. I think we really hit a stride there. Um, so I thought the Viscera stuff was, was deserved like a little honorable mention. Um, but, you know, that that's... That's where we ended up going to. So my other honorable mention is where we started from, the Summer of Punk. Ah, nice. I think that not only, you know, it's, it would be very easy for me to just say, it's where it all began. If it wasn't for this episode, there wouldn't be any, <laughs> real blah, 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 blah. But really, it's a good book and it makes sense. You, you took like a couple of weeks right there, tight couple of weeks and rebooked a whole lot and made it exciting and really made yeah. it make sense, you know, so... It was it was the idea that started making Kefi. That that was the one idea that I had in my mind. Like, uh, let's book this. But you know, once yeah. uh, we were talking about it, we wanted to give it a bigger platform than like some random forum. So we decided to make a <laughs> podcast out of it. So uh, you know, so that's kind of how that that ended up. But yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate those. And uh, for, for 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 the listeners, the honorable mentions are just honorable mentions. They don't get any points. But it's, it's tough to make these top fives, right? Yeah, exactly. And so. This top five kind of went through a little bit of shuffling around. Even today, I was like, is this, <laughs> is this yeah. the top five? And then right before we started recording, I actually switched uh, two of these around. Ooh. Um, and I'll explain myself later. 
I'll tell you what, what they are. But number five, and I, I don't know if you'll find all of this list very surprising. Uh, hopefully you do, because like we said, we've, we've done so many different rebookings all over the place that, you know, all the people's favorites are, you, you find them surprising to see the, the listeners' favorites and stuff like that. Mm. So my number five is Eugene. Ah, nice. And now I... I I think that Eugene is a really classic case of what making kayfabe should really be because mm. it's 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 really easy and and really fun to rebook the big guys, you know, Key and Triple H, the main eventers, right? But whenever you get a guy like Eugene or like Taz, you mentioned earlier, who in WWE didn't get a fair shake, well, you're like, well, we should be able to fantasy book that in a in a logical manner to show you how it could have been done. And Eugene was a classic example of that because his character was quite controversial and the wrestler who portrayed Eugene was really good at wrestling. So everybody hated this gimmick. And I thought that you were able to explain the gimmick and change it enough to be able to have the Eugene character and then... He goes away, gets beat up by Triple H, and then Triple H's crew start to get beat up mysteriously backstage. Who could it be? Well, it's not Eugene. It's Eugene's brother, Nick Dinsmore, who is the real person behind Eugene. And that's a good way to get rid of the Eugene character while introducing Nick Dinsmore as a badass. He went straight after Triple H. He got revenge for his brother. He's already starting to get momentum behind him. That's a good way to change the character around and give... Nick Dinsmore more life on the main roster. The Eugene character, as it was, had like a finite shelf life. Yeah. And you were able to switch things around and give this guy an even bigger, longer career. You know, had it all worked out. Which oh, thanks, man. We like, all know I think, it uh, didn't work out, but, you know. I think, uh, interestingly enough, that episode's about two and a half years old. But as we look on Raw today, um, these days, you know, something very similar going on right now, right? Yes, we see... Um, Elias Ezekiel. and bloody Ezekiel, that's the one, Ezekiel, yeah. So you know, it's Elias's brother, but it's the same person, obviously, you know. Is, is it? it? I don't know, who knows, who knows? Um, but, you know, they very, did very the similar, lie detector you know. test and. Yeah, he passed, so yeah, it must be, yeah. It's gotta be different people. <laughs> they wouldn't lie to us, yeah. You didn't do a lie detector test. I don't think I did, no. I just had him fucking kill people, yeah. <laughs> 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 didn't get a chance to do a lie detector test, yeah. Oh, well, next time. <laughs> Next time. So that was Eugene. That was number five. Um, number four, I put Kian. Ah, and I put the unmasking Kian. of, yeah. Yes, because that for a long time was one of my favorites he did. I really liked that one, and I thought it deserved a spot on the top five because Kane was always one of my favorite characters until they took the mask off him. And he was just like, I got a weird face. You know? <laughs> I mean, that was what it turned into. Eventually it does, yeah. He's I mean, a I think weird like, face, and then, yeah. then he wore a suit, and now he's a fucking bastard, apparently. So. Oh, God, yeah, he's the worst guy, yeah. <laughs> so, now he is a monster. IRL, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we liked it better when he was a fake monster with fire. Yeah, that's now he's it, Now yeah. he's just a, a a person who, like, ruins people's lives. I'm like, that's less funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um... But I really like this rebooking because you were able to... You had Paul Bear kind of explain a lot of the hanging threads. Because 
they had such a mystique of Ikea, and then once they took the mask off, they were just like, ah, whatever. Like, they typically, WWE, they were like, this is, we're moving on. Doesn't matter. And you were able to kind of cover up a lot of this stuff and make him, like, seem like a, a legitimate badass. You know what I mean? Simple Again, simple things that we talk about. It's, it's a lot of simple things that could easily be done. But that, that's some of the things that are, are, are most fun to do, though, to actually tie up those loose ends that WWE yeah. have created and just, like, find a way of explaining their way out of, that, out of that situation. Because most situations in booking, you can explain your way out of if you put enough effort if into you it. Just but put WWE a bit just don't give a shit. You know, exactly. they're like, oh, they'll forget. They think that the WWE audience have the kind of um, memory of a goldfish, you know. Yeah. They just think, oh, forget about it next week, you know. So, so it's a shame um, that they do that. But, again, that's, that's one of the most fun things to do in the show is, like yeah. I say, just tie up those loose ends. But also, you led to a Kane versus Undertaker match at WrestleMania that, to mm-hmm. me, because of your rebookings, like, didn't seem totally one-sided. Because I feel like every time you see Kane versus Undertaker at WrestleMania, but even taking away the streak of the Undertaker, it always seemed like the Undertaker was going to win. And I thought that you did a really good job of making Kane into a monster and building it up to make him seem like a legitimate threat to the Undertaker. So I really like that. I also find it really ironic that in that rebooking, you, there was a point where, I'll, well, actually, one of my favorite parts of that was that you had people afraid to be around Kian. So the cameraman, the commentator, the commentators being afraid to call Kian's match, that's the genius, right? But what I liked about that, ironically enough, is that it led to the, the commentators and the cameraman and a lot of the other wrestlers trying to form a union, which... I'm pretty sure the real Kian wouldn't be too happy about. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that like the little touch of having the commentators being afraid to call Kian's match because of how devastating he is. Like that's so simple. But well, like it stands out with the viewer as well because it's just when Kian's matches are on, it's just silence. Like you don't hear anything. It's just it makes him stand out. But you, you know, see those guys that like, getting the hell out of there or putting the cameras on tripods or whatever. You know, and that visual to the to the audience, the casual audience, makes you go, "That guy's a big deal." Yeah, Simple. exactly. And if you only do it for Kian, people are gonna go, "Wow, that's a fucking." You pay attention to this guy, you know. That's it. You make him unique, exactly. Simple shit, man. Simple, simple stuff. That's it. Thank you, dude. So that was that was number four. Nah, number three and number two are the ones that I switched places. Ah. And it was really close. But I think I'll explain myself. Number three is William Regal. Ah, oh, nice, nice. It was number two, and I switched it. And you'll, I think you'll—I don't know if you'll—you'll you'll see when I get to number two. Hmm. But William Regal, it's no secret that William Regal is uh, one of our favorite wrestlers of all yes. time. Yeah. Like easily top five. He's so—he's incredible. He's wonderful, and he's still wonderful. You can see him on AEW television just still great. being yeah. a wonderful, wonderful character. You know, nobody can talk on the mic like him. Nobody can do like the the facial movements and the little bit, the in-betweens. Yeah. The in-betweens, like William Regal can. And so it was a matter of time before one of us did William Regal. And you rebooked him after he was the King of the Ring and the general manager of Raw. And you had him, of course, because he's a villain... You had him abusing his general manager powers, which was brilliant. You had him like manipulating so that he could you get one up over on, you know, Ken Kennedy, Kennedy, and CM Punk. <laughs> the the best bit is Punk. 
uh, Triple H was the heavyweight champion, so you have a bit where Regal and, and Triple H are working together to take out Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. Because he was a logical contender for Triple H. And... H. <laughs> I mean, there's already three H's there. Come on. <laughs> Triple H. How like many more times do you want to repeat it? Six times H, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> six times H. So once they take out that guy, Tri- Triple H thinks he's got a really easy time of it until William Regal reveals that he is the next contender for Triple H's championship because he is the GM and he can do what he wants. And it's a wonderful... But the best part was when they have that match... Obviously, William Regal wins because he changes the rules to allow him to win. But after he wins the match, he's now the heavyweight champion. CM Punk is the Money in the Bank winner. And Finley was working for William Regal up until he won the championship. And once he won the championship, Finley's contract was null and void. So Finley beats up William Regal. Punk cashes in. And they get their revenge on William Regal. William Regal's championship reign is about five minutes. But it's perfect. He gets his comeuppance. Yeah. He's a villain. He's been running crazy over the, the entire uh, roster for weeks, months. And then he it seems like he's finally at the top of the mountain. And he gets his comeuppance almost immediately. That's storytelling. You know what I mean? It yeah. makes sense. The bad guy gets what's coming to him. And you build up guys like CM Punk and Ken Kennedy. 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 That's it, man. Yeah, I, I, I'll say more about this episode later. But I, I, I loved writing that episode. Um, like you said, like Rian Regal is um, both of our favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he ranks very highly for both of us, and uh, it was about time. And that, that's one of the kind of um, whenever we asked people, you know, what, what is the biggest missed opportunity? What do you want to see as book? And then you know, Regal was one of the top answers every time because mm-hmm. everyone remembers that storyline so, so, so well, and so you know, it was, it's. it's it was so great, and just um, everything that Regal was doing around that time when he won King of the Ring, and it's just a damn shame how things went down how they did, and the, and the guy got himself suspended, but it could have been a hell of a turning point in Regal's career um, mm. if, if everything went went through as it should have went through there, and it's a, yeah, like I say, it's a bloody shame that it didn't happen, but hopefully I, I told in that story what might have happened um, if, if shit went down that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, it really gets over that kind of, like, villainous side of William Regal, you know? Hmm. And also what I liked about that is it introduced, I don't know if you remember this, but it introduced a nickname for Triple H, which was We Trippers. <laughs> That's right, We Trippers. We just for a long time just started laughing about Triple H being called We Trippers. <laughs> we Trippers. We Trippers. All right, We Trips. All right, We Trips. <laughs> and, we, and now we brought oh, it back again. Oh, man. See that? Oh man, that's absolutely fantastic. I need to go back and listen to that now. <laughs> that was that was the thing. I'm like, that's that's why it's number two. You know, that's what had swung me to put it number two. But I switched places with the the real number two, which is and this surprised me, you mentioned it earlier. Sting versus Undertaker. Nice. I nice. personally and I'm outraged that nobody else agrees with me on this, but I personally loved this storyline when you told me it because I'm not the biggest fan of The Undertaker. Um, and I don't really care about Sting. Like, you know, he's he's good at what he does, but he's never been, like, one of my favorites or anything like this. But you really did tell a story where it made sense and it built up to get to... Because people wanted to see Sting versus Undertaker. 
Forgetting the fact that they were both like 50 or whatever, whenever this was yeah. happening. They were like, we <laughs> want to see this match. But instead, and they could have just done it. And then, I mean, the, luckily the WWE are so lazy, they didn't even do that. But I mean, they could have just put the match on and, and be done with it. But you like had months of build up. You made it made sense. You had Sting. You, what was really good is because everybody wanted that match. That was like common knowledge. You had Sting coming in straight away. And saying he didn't even give a shit about that. He doesn't care about the Undertaker. He wants to fight the authority. Because Seth Rollins was the champion. And Triple H was being a big deal. He was like, I want to fight in the sight of good. I'm going to beat up the authority. I don't care about the Undertaker. Shit like that's like a little tease. It throws people off. And then the end game, of course, is Sting versus Undertaker. So like that shit makes sense. You also did a really good thing. So this is from like January, I think. Or just before that to WrestleMania. And in between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania is Fastlane. It was Survivor Series, I think, yeah. Oh, well, it, uh, well the, the, uh, the, the genesis of it was at um, Survivor Series. But, like, a lot of the booking is, like, you know, from the Royal Rumble. Yeah, the main few kicked in Royal Rumble, yeah. Yeah, so on that show, you even said to yourself, Fastlane, terrible name for, for a pay-per-view. I agree, but... Nobody, nobody, nobody would watch Fastlane. They don't need to. There's no stakes. But you give them stakes. You give them Sting and the Undertaker tagging together to fight Triple H and Seth Rollins, which, on paper, is inc- that's a huge main event. Yeah, like that's huge. That's a reason to watch this shitty pay per view, right? That's really big. Uh, it, no titles were involved, but it's still like big stakes. Really interesting. And what was also really interesting about that was you built up Sting more than the Undertaker because. People already know who The Undertaker is. Everybody knows who The Undertaker is. But if you make Sting the focus point of that feud, like that's really interesting. That gets because then whenever The Undertaker does acknowledge him, it's a big deal. You know, instead of having The Undertaker doing all the talking, having Sting doing most of the work is a really good idea. So all of this I thought was like it was just really well put together. And it was like, Thank you, man. It was. It just made so. Because you know me, I I love it when it fucking makes sense. And all of this shit made sense. Yeah. You made the authority like worth watching. Yeah. Nobody give a <laughs> shit no about the authority. No easy task. All right. <laughs> Nobody give a fuck about them. And then you were like, oh, if you do this, it'll make sense. And like, well, that's correct. If you have Sting and the Undertaker fighting the authority, people will pay attention to them. Exactly. But that's yeah. So no, I, fucking I think obvious. It's, yeah. It's maybe my most uh, meticulous booking, if yeah. that makes sense, because I, I booked every week from Survivor Series up to WrestleMania and tried to make it all mean something. And uh, I, I was surprised when it got no votes. Um, I think it's because it's um, you know it's, it's the second last episode we've ever done in the main series, so it might just be people are still catching up. The thing with our podcast is it's not not exactly a you know it's it's bingeable rather than you have to listen every week, you know. So maybe people are still catching up to that. I don't know, but. I was happy with that storyline, um, and uh, yeah, like I say, it's, it took a lot to, to book every single week, but I think, um, you know, we got there and got some good story out of it, and um, yeah, it's, again, it's, another, it's another thing that it's a bloody shame it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, it had every chance of happening. They were on They were on WrestleMania, I think it was WrestleMania 33, they were both in WrestleMania 33 together, and yet it didn't happen, so for whatever reason, for one reason or the other, you know, but once again, I hope that's just showed what might have happened if it, if it kind of went down that way, yeah. I'm really surprised that more people didn't vote for that. Like, I'm the only one. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Was I the only one that listened to it? Like... Yeah. <laughs> you, you're all the downloads, yeah. Yeah. 
on like different computers and stuff i just yeah just go to the library or something yeah dude if i had done that don't you think i would have done that for mike bad <laughs> <laughs> giving him more than two downloads you know that's more effort than anyone's ever shown Mike Bennett, though. I know, and I'm the only one that did it. <laughs> Poor Mike Bennett. Poor guy. Uh, so you can, you can you can go and cry in the corner with Undertaker and Sting. <laughs> if you'd have put Mike Bennett in that pay per view, can you imagine? Now that's <laughs> if it was Undertaker versus Mike Bennett. Now that's a triple threat everybody wants to see. <laughs> Sting versus Undertaker versus Mike Bennett. Uh, free icons. Yeah, free icons beautiful. Of wrestling. I'd watch that match. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of icons of professional wrestling, we have a big icon for what well, I picked as the number one of uh, of your rebookings, which is the Kurt Angle retirement. Nice. Now again, Kurt Angle I know is one of your favorites of he all is. time. Kurt Angle is a yeah. wonderful wrestler, just an incredible, incredible wrestler, and you were really bummed about the the retirement match. I was. In fact, in the rebooking, you were so bummed, you refused to name the person <laughs> that Kurt Angle that fought. Right? Yeah, it was, it was just, you just called him redacted. <laughs> you refused to name the person. And, and out of respect, I'm not going to name the person who Kurt Angle fought his retirement match at WrestleMania. But you were so disgusted by this, you were like, I could rebook this. And you did. Fortunately, we have a show where we do that. So yes. It's very fortunate. Again, like the William Regal one, I know that this you had a lot of like personal investment in this because you love Kurt Angle. And I knew that because of that, you're not going to half-ass this. You're really going to put a lot of effort into it. So there was a lot of good stuff. You talked about his, his kind of retirement tour where he fought a lot of the guys he wanted to fight, which happened in real life, but you added a twist to it where a lot of those guys now were being fined backstage and they're all beaten up, except for Chad Gable. Hmm. And it, the match at WrestleMania was going to be Kurt Angle versus John Cena, which makes sense. Totally makes sense. And you went most of the rebooking, hyping that up, until it turns out Chad Gable was the one attacking all those people. He wanted to fight Kurt Angle himself. It wasn't fair. He deserved that spot. And, and, doesn't, and doesn't Chad Gable make more sense over Redacted? It does. It totally does. And so you put a lot of shine on Chad Gable. And that's a, a kind of a thing through a lot of your rebookings. You know, maybe not with Sting versus Undertaker. Kind of, I guess, because you do you put a shine on Seth Rollins. You mm. know, with William Regal, you put a shine on CM Punk and Ken Kennedy Kennedy. Um, <laughs> you know, Eugene, you put a shine on Nick Dinsmore. You put a shine... Uh, the Kim one was, you know... <laughs> guess he didn't need too much of a shine but no. you, you put a lot of shine on like other people as well you know yeah and so like all of it's this it's not just the person we're booking yeah, exactly, exactly. That, you, you gotta is, make a whole story of it yeah. that's really important you know I think people need to consider this kind of stuff too so I think you did a really good job of like putting that all together so it led to Kurt Angle versus Chad Gable at Wrestlemania with John Cena as a special guest referee which to me, sounds like a really main event, like a legitimate WrestleMania match. Yeah. That's big time, you know? That is big and time. I really, really like that. And I'll tell you why this one made number one. Because this, out of, I think, more than any other rebooking that we've done since then or before then, has more mentions of Sean Stasiak. <laughs> I don't know why, but we talked about, I think because Sean Stasiak was the first guy Kurt Angle fought. 
in the WWE. Maybe it's that, yeah. We talked about Sean Stasiak a lot. <laughs> there, there was also that scene in the, in the milk truck segment where it's like Sean Stasiak goes to take Kurt Angle out and Kurt Angle just fucking slams him into the milk truck. Remember that? <laughs> face first and he's just like, what idea, you know? Why haven't we rebooked Sean Stasiak? Uh, you, you can't rebook perfection. You can't. The people would, would write in asking for to see rebookings for us to do. Nobody has asked for Sean Stasiak. <laughs> Planet Stasia. We need to make an actual planet. We need to do that. We can do, dude. We can do it. So Se- yes. season six is going to be Planet Stasiac and all the episodes are going to be things that happen on Planet Stasiac. Yes, I think this is a perfect idea. I know mm, mm. if we don't do it, the fans are going to be super pissed. Oh, so we're going to have to do it. Damn, we're going to have to do it. I have to do it. Oh well, there goes all those other cool rebookings. So we'll just yeah. Uh, yeah, throw them away. Planet Stasiac. Yeah. Stasiac, baby, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> The Stasiak season. Season Stasiak. Season Stasiak. It works. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, Kurt Angle is number one in my nice opinion. One. But again, Great. like yeah. I, it, it's it's close between a lot of those ones, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, same with when I was picking yours. It was like um, number five could have been number one easy. It's just so tight between all of them. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's really tough to do. But um, I appreciate that, dude. That's a good, uh, a good old list. And um, yeah, now we're going to move on to... A very quick segment where we look at our YouTube rankings. So let's oh, go to no. that right now. <laughs> I know what's last. All right, let's do a quick breakaway segment from us ranking Making Kayfabe episodes and have a look at our first outside view of our best episodes. That is, you guessed it, the YouTube rankings. So as you know, we have a YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash making kayfabe and while it's still in its kind of growing stage where we get a reasonable amount of views for a small podcast like ours and what we did here was rank the top five episodes based on YouTube views. So the videos that had received the most clicks slash listens on YouTube. So without further ado, let's just quickly list what YouTube thinks is our top five episodes. So at number five, we have the John Cena heel turn. Mm-hmm. At number four, we have Alexa Bliss. Oh, well, that's because Alexa Bliss Stan keeps watching it. That's it. Alexa Bliss is keep watching it on repeat. Yeah. So remember Alexa Bliss Stan? That, they're just watching put, it over put, and over again. Put, put, put the, the belt, belt on her. her. Put a belt on her. <laughs> uh, I don't know you why. You don't need to rebook her. Put the belt on her. We still laugh about that. Oh, man. That's become, a, that's become a bit yeah. of a... We don't do that on the show. You can put this on the on the TV tropes or whatever, but... Outside of the show, we we do that a lot. We're like, just yeah, put the belt do. on. <laughs> Literally, we're talking about Raw or whatever. We're like, can I just put, put the belt put on him? Belt on him. <laughs> <laughs> Which, if you've listened to this show, that's kind of like our... That's like the opposite of what we do. We're like, the story comes first. You build the story. Exactly. The, you can't just put... We've said this in episodes many times. You, you can't, can't just, just put the belt on him. And then... But also, put the belt on him. I like how one of our credos is, you can't just put the belt on him. And Alexa Bistan was like, fuck you. <laughs> put the belt on her. Oh, man. That's... Uh, yeah. It's my favourite feedback we've ever got. Uh, by, <laughs> far. by far. By <laughs> far. Ahead of Alexa Bliss in number three is the AEW Women's Division. Okay. Uh, in second place, we have the Summer of Punk. Mm-hmm. And in first place, with like way more fucking views than any video on our channel, is uh, inexplicably Sean O'Hare, Devil's Advocate. Ooh. Yeah. I, I don't, don't even say inexplicably, because it's a very, very, very good episode, but it's, it's, it's random, I think. Um, but 
I found, I found out why as well. So I think on a, sh- a couple of Sean O'Hare videos, um, our kind of videos linked there, so people click through to it and listen to it. So Ooh. Sean O'Hare has brought us a lot of uh, listeners to making cafe, so that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that. Um, I remember looking at the YouTube views for that and telling you, like, dude, Sean O'Hare was like way ahead of everybody else. He's away with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> By like, you know five times as much at some point you know and that's it's great as well because it's a fucking brilliant episode it's not like it's mike bennett or anything uh, you know, it. it's like... <laughs> he's gonna listen to this show he's gonna be really sad oh mike bennett sorry mate that's better i'm sorry your career sucked stop no <laughs> also you're not sorry about that <laughs> I think we did the honourable thing of trying to rebook him, but it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I don't know what it is, but anyway. Um, but <laughs> without further ado, so that's the top five YouTubers. So John Cena, Heel Turn, Alexa Bliss, AEW Women's Division, Summer of Punk, Sean O'Hare. And without further ado, it's time for me to rub my own ego. I'm going to rank what I believe are my top five episodes of Making Cafe. Basically the ones that I had the most fun writing and recording in actuality. So let's get to it. Alright, so let me take you through my own top five very briefly. We're going to speed through these and this, again, was really hard to pick because obviously every Making Cave Epic episode I write is like a child to me. Um, you know, and if you had over 40 children, would you be able to choose your top five? Yes. Fair enough. I do, and I have. You do? <laughs> if I met none of your children? Well, I don't go showing them off. They live in the basement. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Well, the bad, the, the the top five live in the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I swear there was a new story about that a while back. But anyway. Uh, um, like, uh, <laughs> that was my twin brother. All oh, right. Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> Got away with it. Oh, my God. Anyway, um... So I, I did choose my top five children, so um, here's the, the five episodes I had the most fun writing and recording with my good friend, Ellen. So at number five, we have, and I had to fit him in somewhere, it's the ECW Zombie. Yeah. Because, I mean, come on, man. You, you know I love doing silly rebookings, and it's sort, sort of the first edition of my zombie trilogy, uh, as some listeners have called it, because I started with the <laughs> ECW zombie, and then I went on to the zombie lumberjack match, and then, you know, it came to the death cooker, um, which was uh, an episode which was a complete surprise to both you and I. Um, but yeah. the episode started with us being invited onto the Sweet Chin Mike podcast in our kind of infancy of the podcast, and uh, we were still very, very small at that time, only getting like 50 downloads per episode, so... I wanted to write a couple of uh, mini storylines for the show uh, to give the audience a sneak peek of what we do at Making Kayfabe and uh, they were covering WWE's version of ECW on the episode so I did a storyline for Mr. McMahon as ECW champion and a storyline which I really challenged myself with, the ECW Zombie. And uh, yeah, on, on the podcast itself, on the Sweet Chimmug podcast, it was only a, a brief booking that was a few minutes long, but it eventually evolved into its own Making Kayfabe episode, which even has an article written about it by Hamish Woodward at Atletico.com, so there you go. But, like I say, I had to include at least one of my zanier episodes, and it just made sense to be the ECW zombie where it all started. I'm glad it was that one and not the Miz one. Oh god, yeah, that, that was a good one as well, right? Well, it was good, <laughs> except for one problem. <laughs> the Miz died. He became a zombie. It's like, yeah. It's 
Go, oh, 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 it's up your street. I guess. Hmm. But, you know, it also involved the Miz. So. <laughs> As if the word Miz was used far too many times during that story. Exactly. We should have called him Redacted. Yeah. <laughs> him and fucking the other guy, yeah. Um, Whoever the other guy was, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. He's Redacted, so we don't know. Mm. Uh, yeah. But at number four, we have the John Cena heel turn. Mm-hmm. So, not a word of a lie for the majority of the time in the lead up to this episode. This was not a joy to write. Um, I don't know if you remember me telling you, like, getting worried towards the, the kind of um, deadline, but I could not think of anything for the John Cena heel turn. I had it planned right from the start of season three. I knew I was going to do it, but for the life of me, I had no ideas. And the weeks went by, episode after episode, and it finally got to the week before release week, and I was just like, fuck, I need to write something. So, I forced myself to sit down with my laptop and just not stand up again until at least I had key plot points in the story and I'm lucky I did because at that moment I kind of locked out and came up with what one of my favourite rebookings ever and you know so as much stress was in the lead up to the episode the actual writing of it was eventually um, good times and it's also proven to be one of our most popular episodes ever, which is probably down to a lot to the subject matter. But hey, mm. hopefully when people listen, they thought it was a pretty good episode too. So that is the John Cena heel turn. At number three, we have, and uh, you mentioned it earlier, Dylan, I gave my one of my favourite wrestlers a retirement he deserved. It's a Kurt Angle retirement. And uh, I, I probably went, uh, you mentioned I did um, go through this in depth in the episode, but I hated how redacted was Kurt Angle's last match. <laughs> Fucking gigantic waste. I don't have much against redacted, but Kurt Angle's last match should have been used to establish somebody like Kurt Angle rather than just another tall guy with a generic gimmick. Um, doesn't even have a name. Ca- um, I believe he's called Happy Redacted these days. <laughs> 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 Who could it be? Oh man, not fucking um, hillbilly redacted, no. <laughs> <sighs> um, oh, but that was my motivation to write something about Kurt Angle's retirement, and I think it came out pretty well. I definitely enjoy writing about my favourite wrestlers more and zombies, so um, this was an absolute delight. But at number two, I've put and what one that people. Might not actually be expecting. Um, a bit of a wild card. Definitely not as established as uh, John Cena, Kurt Angle, or the ECW Zombie for that matter. But this is um, an episode I truly think deserves more love because I really enjoyed the story I weaved together for it. So, number two is Taka Takes the Title. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my book in Taka Michinoku winning the WWF Heavyweight Title. And like I say, probably not one that people were expecting, but. I hold this episode dear to my heart as my second favourite child. Um, it played off uh, the time where Taka almost beat Triple H for the WWF title on TV about 20 years ago and I based an entire storyline with Taka as a champ on it and um, yeah, I think you mentioned it a bit earlier, Dylan, like sometimes I think it's the, the smaller reputation, lesser known guys who are easiest to book because there's not as much pressure which made writing for Taka an absolute breeze and I'm really happy with how it turned out but... Um, and finally, the episode I had the biggest blast writing, the episode I am most proud of, out of everything I've ever written for the show, well, it is King Regal. Ah. And yeah, I still remember the absolute joy of writing this episode. The researching of what happened around this time was so interesting, like watching the Raws, like, um, I had an absolute blast watching the the rise of William Regal. I spent hours researching what went down backstage which led to his downfall through 
numerous editions of Figure Four Weekly and the Wrestling Observer, and then writing it, man, like I had so much fun. It's it's a story I wanted to retell for years and years. So writing it was really kind of therapeutic and. Obviously, like I said earlier, it sucks that Regal's King of the Ring win didn't lead anywhere, but I, th- I think it did enough in this episode to make a good cause for what could have happened, and boy was it fun to write. And uh, Also on this episode, I don't know if you picked this up, but as an added plus, the Kayfabe Tombola featured the first appearance of Crap Hands with the selection submitted by Andy McEwen, one of our top listeners, so that was hilarious. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, the episode had it all, man. And uh, also in the episode, when, when we were recording the episode, um, literally during the recording, we got the, the first artwork through from Tyler um, yes. that arrived in my inbox at the time, and that was a, the King Regal episode, and like, we were both blown away by that. Um, you know, it had no right to be that good, and it's up there with like my favourite artwork he's ever done for us, so um, yeah. that was really cool as well, but it's just... It's just all good, man. Like so many fond memories attached to the King Regal episode, so it had to be number one for me. There was no no other option, but well, there was like forty other options, but you know what I mean. But hey, that's my top five: ECW Zombie, John Cena heel turn, Kurt Angle's retirement, Takamichi Noku, and King Regal. So now it's time for Dylan to rank his top five episodes. So you know what? Let's just bloody go ahead and do that. Dylan, fire away, mate. I like how two of your picks I'd also picked. Mm. That's it, so we're we're agreed there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it's the same for this. I think there's two you picked Mm. um, that are on my list. So, oh, maybe maybe more. Oh, hello. Oh, but for my number five pick, I went with The Ascension. Nice. Underrated. Yeah, again, we, we say this a lot, but like it was so simple. They had they dug themselves into a hole Hmm. that they didn't bother to fix and then they just buried the ascension for like three years that was with triple Um, h right bring him to the main roster but no they 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 brought him up to the main roster and then they had the ascension come out and say they were the best tag team Hmm. in the world which is what a, a heel tag team would say yes and then everybody fucking took the hump with it. They're like, mm. oh, you're not better than the Road Warriors. You're not oh, better God, than I the remember Do- that. Right. Yeah. I'm like, well, fucking, what, why did everybody suddenly get on their case for that? That was so strange. And then after that, that backlash, they just kind of got buried. I'm like, well, first of all, that proves that everybody else is stupid. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. So I, I, I thought that wasn't fair and I liked the, the way I was able to rebook it to make them the opposite of that to make them into one of the best tag teams of all time like fucking just do it stick to your guns fuck all the nerds on Twitter who gives a fuck about them except our fans we love you <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean like I don't yeah, I mean man. like the those be complainy smart there, marks they were so over in NXT say. as well man they were, they were so over I remember watching NXT in its infancy and like when it was um, when they were kind of like so over and just like yeah the crowd were behind them just every match people were going crazy for and then they go to the main roster and it's just like yeah uh-huh. getting squashed by fucking old cunts you know it's just yeah, uh, yeah. it's just not fair so I like that I think that was number five yeah. number four I put Retribution Oh, because like you said, that story came together, and because they were in the Thunderdome or whatever they called it, they <laughs> c- they could have played around with stuff, and not in a cinematic way, but in a like you have an empty arena, you can do whatever you want, like kind of. It's way. your arena, yeah, exactly. Exactly, they could have played with it. They could have made it fun. That could have been like the perfect. Funny enough, that could have been the perfect gimmick for the pandemic. Yeah, like that would could have been the the gimmick that everybody remembered during that tough time, and Literally. instead of that. 
they were like, fuck it. Forget it. Bury them all. Yeah. Kill them. You know? It's just, like, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I, I spoke about it earlier, but yeah, they could have done so much more. And like what you did there, you like made the, the cam operators, the, the backstage staff, like referees and stuff, they were all members of Retribution, which was just incredible. And like they could have easily got away with it, yeah. Bastards, but they didn't. They didn't. Um, they didn't do it. So I like that one. Uh, that was number four. At number three, you also mentioned, I think, was Keith Lee. Ah, yeah, brilliant, yeah. Just, you know, Dr. Keith Lee. I thought that was just... <laughs> But th- that was a lot of fun to write, you know. All of these, all of these were really fun to write, you know. Um, and I just love the swerves. Number two, I think is really people won't see this coming, but I I, I put Titus O'Neil. Oh, because that was all, a, oh, that's such yeah. a good story. I was I was considering having that in my top five as well. Yeah, for all the uh, mentioned reasons, it was simple. They made the best out of a bad situation. That's or they could have if they listened to me. Yeah. It's really simple. It puts a shine on a guy that nobody was giving a shit about. Um, it was totally achievable, you know. And that was so much fun to write because it's one of those ones, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Where at first you don't have you, you don't have anything except like a gem of an idea, and you just hmm. write that down. And then as you start writing, it all starts to click and come together yeah. perfectly. And you're like, oh, boy. The pen glides off the page. Yeah, Yeah. sometimes it just works perfectly. And, yes. and and then after that, you're like, god damn, that's good. So I feel like Titus O'Neil was the epitome of that. It's such a... And it's one that people people are going to go, I don't give a fuck about Titus O'Neil. I understand, but check that episode out. And it'll, I think it'll change your mind. You know? You'd be surprised. It got a fair few votes actually. Um, Titus O'Neil. Um, it was uh, voted on by uh, at least three people. So um, nice. three were put in the top five. So there, there you go. Um, so before I do number one, I had a few honorable mentions for myself. Go for it. Um, that have been mentioned previously. The AEW Women's Division. Yep. I liked. That was great. Sheena Baszler, I really liked because it made her into a killer. Instead of being afraid of puppets or whatever the fuck. <laughs> How team Harko Holly, yeah. Um, classics. Classics, <laughs> you know. I would have rebooked it very differently. And also Bret Hart, like you said. I yeah, thought great. that there was a lot of good stuff in there. But obviously, obviously the number one spot has to go <laughs> to our boy Stevie Richards. It fucking does. Sensor. I knew it. <laughs> so for like all the other ones, I wrote notes for like, you know, the episodes. And for... Write the censor, the note just says, it's the best episode. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Am I wrong? I don't know. You're not wrong. Absolutely not. <laughs> it, again, it was just, you could tell that there was a point where I stopped properly booking it and just started going mad with it. Yeah, but yeah. it was fun to write. It was fun to listen to. You popped for it. I loved it. The people it. liked it. Stevie Richards is in it. Ivory was in it, who's one of my favorite uh, women's wrestlers. I love that storyline. I said, like I said it said, earlier, it's legendary. It's legendary yeah. in the, the genesis of making kayfabe. And it's because it closed season one, It that was the the beginning of me closing a season with stables. That's true. You know? That's true, so, yeah. That's and it true. began our Stevie Richards obsession. There's there's a lot of good that came from the Right to Censor episode. Yeah, there is. It's uh, yeah, it, it started a lot of things. Like I said, like you mentioned, it's um, you know, it's it's what kind of convinced us to do season two as well, and just uh, go go on to what we are now. And it's um, yeah, it's 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 a crucial part of making kayfabe really that episode. And yeah, it's the best I, I, episode. 
it's, it's the best episode. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll see if it's the best episode. That's what we're here to find out. But um, you know, but, um, honestly, it's um, just uh, everything that went on in that episode was incredible. Um, just it's a great story to tell, and uh, yeah, like I said, legendary, just legendary, and making kayfabe lore. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so that was Dylan rating Dylan, and uh, now we're going to go on to see what the podcast downloads say. Let's do it. All right, so as you know, we are on plenty of podcast apps. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict. Fucking, I don't know, you name it, we're there. And uh, you're probably listening to us on one right now, but let's rank um, you know, the total downloads for from podcast apps and see kind of where we're at and rate, rate a top five for that. So the top five podcast app downloads of all time, well, we're going to start at number five, which was Bret Hart. I agree. I think that, well, I think everybody seems to really like the Bret Hart one, right? It's a great episode. It really is. Uh, mm. At four, the fourth most downloaded episode of all time was Taz is Hardcore. Wow. Yeah, that's a great one, man. That's a great oh, one. Damn. Just missed out on my top five. In third place, it's CM Punk's Straight Edge Society. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. People the love a bit of CM Punk. CM Punk. Yeah, yeah, second CM Punk rebooking. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, people love a bit of CM Punk. Understandable. And, they, they popped big when he came out. They did indeed, they did indeed. And uh, the number two is the John Cena heel turn, mm-hmm. which again makes sense because of the, the context of the book and everyone wants to hear it. And number one is the Summer of Punk. So ah, yeah, there he our, is again. Our first ever episode. So CM Punk's twice in our top five for podcast downloads. So next season, it's John Stasiak and CM Punk. Mm, you know what? We don't have room, but let's just cut the CM Punk. Yeah, <laughs> let's still do the good part, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll do Planet Punk in season seven, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been done alright folks we're going to get to the final ratings of the show now let's move on to our listeners rankings Woo! alright so the final rankings before we settle this top 5 it's the rankings from you our listeners our awesome awesome listeners who we cannot do the show without we posted on social media that we needed help in determining the top five episodes of Making Kayfabe and we were so delighted with how many of you opted in. We received rankings from 15 of our top listeners, so thank you to all of you. You're very, very lovely. And between those 15 Making Kayfabe listeners, 40 unique episodes featured in our top fives, which is um, basically two-thirds of our total episodes. So, yeah, it's... um, Everyone loves uh, different parts of making kayfabe, which is awesome. And uh, Mm -hmm. what's even crazier is that only two of them agreed on what episode should be number one. So that means 14 unique episodes were chosen for the number one spot, which was amazing to hear. Hmm. So we don't have enough time in the show to read everything out, but I'll go through a few in kind of quick fire style now. So let's see. So uh, Andy McEwen, Mr. Crabhands himself, he rated Spike Dudley at number five. Mm-hmm. Sean O'Hare at number four, Right to Censor at number three, NWO yes. at number two, and at number one, Eugene. Ah, see? Our boy, Eugene, yeah. So um, let's see who else we've got here, just picking these at random. Let's go for William Russell, um, who's actually been feeling a bit unwell lately, actually, so get well soon, mate. At five, he picked Sean O'Hare. Ooh. At four, he picked Spike Dudley. Ah, Spike Dudley f- again. Yeah, Spike Dudley again. He was popular. Um, at three, he picked Keith Lee. Yes. At two, he picked Tommy End. Ah. 
which was one that was missed out a bit, yeah. And at one, he picked King Regal. Nice. Good, good choice, ball. good choice. Yeah. Let's see, let's go for Matt from Gate Leapers. So, good ah. old Matt, or good pal Matt. Uh, oh, of course, five... you, put, you, you talk about him because he let you win. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> this was part of the deal. Um, so, <laughs> uh, at five, he put right to censor. Five? It's at a conspiracy. <laughs> At four, he put War of the Horsewomen. Oh, nice. Which uh, has not been mentioned much either, actually, which is also a very good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, three, King Regal. Yep. Two, Luke Harper. Yeah, and that one, was a good one. Yeah, it was a great one, man. And one, Kurt Angle. Yeah, fair play. Let's go for one more. Let's go for Spencer Taylor. So, at five, we've got the John Cena heel turn. Mm-hmm. At four, we've got DDP. Oh, one has yeah. not been mentioned much. Yeah. At three, King Regal. Yep. Everybody at loves two, William Regal. Yeah. Everyone loves William Regal. At two, Viscera, my man. <laughs> <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. Ah. Uh, and uh, at number one, Keith Lee. Wow, nice. There you go. So, um, yeah, like I say, there's 15 people who submitted their votes. So thank you to all you guys. Um, you know, we've not got much time in the episode to, to read them all out. But um, it was fucking so cool receiving them and uh, pulling all this stuff together. You know, we're very appreciative of the support you've shown us over the years. And if you've been cool enough to DM through your selections. But now, it's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. Uh, can, so I, have, can I ask a question? And you might You might be about to reveal this. But you yeah. said there was one rebooking that two people voted as number one. Yeah. Is that about to be revealed in your last set of statistics? Um, well, actually, um, so actually, the one that was voted on twice as number one does not make it into the overall top five. Wow. Yeah, so that that's an interesting one. Do you want to know who it was? Yes. It was Eugene. Wow, hot damn. Yeah. Two people voted for Eugene as number one. Um, both uh, Both suspiciously called Andy, but um, <laughs> two, 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 two very different <laughs> listeners. <laughs> what kind of hands do these people have? <laughs> Regular or? Uh, slightly crab-esque. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a little bit like a lobster, but not quite. <laughs> not quite a lobster. Smaller than a lobster. What would you call yeah. something that's like a lobster, but not quite? Crust- crustacean-ish. <laughs> <laughs> Crustacean-esque. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be... He's going to start sending those in now. Yeah, God, yeah. Crustacean-esque <laughs> if uh, the ball is, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, Andy O'Neill and Andy Andy McEwen. So, um, yeah, thanks, guys. It's a great choice. It's, um, yeah, I was, I was um, kind of flattered by that because, um, yeah, I did enjoy Eugene, but I didn't think it was, um, you know, enough to... You see, I picked Eugene as well one, in my top yeah. five, so, like... You did. You, you put it there. Yeah, I was very flattered by that, yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. hey, everything else, though, every other top five had a different number one, so that's uh, very interesting. So it's going to be interesting pulling all this together, but now that we have all the data, now that we have everyone's rankings and everyone's thoughts on making kayfabe from the host to the listener to the internet statistics, it's time to rank the top five making kayfabe episodes of all time. Oh my god, I'm so excited. All right, listeners, here it is. I've stopped doing a nice recording for 10 minutes or so there so I could pull together the final results. And, well, we do have a definitive top five, sort of, um, for the first five seasons of Making Kayfabe. So this entire episode has been building up to it. So let's wait no longer. Here we go. Here's a list. Now, 
I said sort of because we have a tie for number five. So we technically have a top five and a half here. But so at number five for, you know, both tied at uh, 16 points, we have the John Cena heel turn. And we have right to censor. What? Both tied at number five. Can I just say that this is a conspiracy? <laughs> Stevie Richards was way more over than John Cena ever was. This is ridiculous. The, the Also, I'm a little surprised John Cena heel turn. You know, well, it, it's good that they both made the top five. Yeah, that's it. it. Two, two very, two very episodes that we're both kind of fond on. So, mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, that, that's a, that, that's just I think um, for that. But uh, all right, so that's number five. In the number four spot, we have something that I mentioned, something that you mentioned, something that's been mentioned by several other people. It's Kurt Angle's retirement. Ooh, I thought that would have been number one. Oh, well, still, still a lot to, still a lot to go here. Still a long way to go. So, Kurt retirement got 18 points overall um, from all of our voters. So that was really cool. At number three, and this was actually mentioned by a lot of people, um, believe it or not. I got maybe, maybe it's most of the actual individual votes actually. But at number three, we have Sean O'Hare, Devil's Advocate. Isn't it wild how most of the fans voted for Sean O'Hare and neither of us did? Yeah, it's, it's weird, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's <laughs> interesting, you know? That's it. We just don't know the, the kind of how good own episodes are. That's it. Well, I think that Sean O'Hare was just one of those guys. Like, we were kind of saying, you know, the underappreciated people. Sean O'Hare yeah. was like a real, like, drop in the ball moment. And yeah. people really picked up on that. They're like, he deserved more, you know? That's right, and he did. He definitely did. And like, mm-hmm. I remember that episode itself was actually a kind of um, a turning point for making kayfabe because I remember we put up a poll um, you know who was more po- who was better, Sean O'Hare or Mordecai? And that poll on Twitter got way more. <laughs> it got way more interactions than we thought we'd ever get. Um, yeah, and uh, that's why we done. I think you booked Sean O'Hare and then I booked Mordecai you, right after. You, right? you would book Mo- Mordecai, and then after that poll, we were like, well, we should book Sean O'Hare. Yeah. Um, because people want to hear that, so you know. That's it. Yeah, and it turned out to be a bloody good episode as well. Like I listened back to it um, just every week actually, and uh, yeah, some very funny moments on it. It's one of those episodes where we've got the cold open, and it's all about you know um, uh, Piper pulling off Zach Gowen's leg and stuff. Like uh, yeah, good times, <laughs> <Yeah>. good times. <laughs> you can't, boy. Political correctness gone wrong. You can't do that shit anymore. I can tell you. No, you can't. You cannot. You absolutely cannot. But in the number two position, the second. Best making cave episode of all time, as voted on by ourselves and our listeners, is Keith Lee's Limitless Potential. Ooh, again, they got a lot of I votes. They got a, a bit of a drop the ball situation. People just like, I think they wanted to like more from Keith Lee, but also, you know, I think the swerve really got them. I think that yeah. they really liked that aggressive Keith Lee kind of side. I feel like that's what people should be doing with them. You know? That's it, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Like I said, the swerve got me hook, line, and sinker. Um, it totally got me. And like, like, like I said, like it was uh, you know at the start of the the, the kind of uh, recording, I was like, what, what, what is he talking about here? But yeah, it all kind of came 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 to a, a great fucking conclusion there. So yeah, that deserves to be uh, in one of the top spots for sure. So Keith Lee got nineteen points to get to number two, which means the number one making kayfabe episode all time as voted on by listeners 
and it's voted on by myself, by Dylan, mm-hmm. and it's voted on by YouTube downloads, it's voted on by podcast app downloads. I'm happy to reveal that the number one making KVAP episode of all time, of the last five seasons, is King Regal. There it is. Yep. There it is. Yep. Fair play. We, everybody... our, our, boy, our boy King Regal was doing really well in the polls. Uh, he was getting a lot of kind of top spots, like uh, kind of um, ones, twos, and threes. So um, yeah. we said um, this earlier. Everybody loves William Regal. That's it. Everyone loves William Regal. Um, you know, it's, it's um, yeah, it was one of the most requested episodes of all time. I remember everyone was asking us to book William Regal post King of the Ring wins. So mm-hmm. um, you know, it's um, it was a kind of fan's choice with actual booking itself. And then yeah, I- I'm delighted to have that as number one. It's just like I said, had so much fun writing that episode just bloody great from start to finish and it's got one of the coolest artworks ever by our boy tyler and um yeah just yeah i just feel really fortunate to have um one of my episodes chosen so um like i, think that's, I yeah. think that's fair enough you know like we said earlier I, the william regal one it's a lot going on and the story was told really well it puts a shine on william regal and it put, but it puts a shine on some of the other people as well. It's just good. Like, if you saw that in real life, you'd be like, fuck, that ripped. You know? Yeah. Totally, man. Yeah, I pre- appreciate that. And, um, like, that, that, that thing is, that could have easily, just as easily, been one of yours um, in, in top spot. And it's actually, it's worked out pretty well because uh, technically in the top five, there's three of my episodes and three of yours. So it kind of works out 50 50 there. So, yeah, that's interesting, um, huh? That, that's pretty cool how it's worked out. So um, that's really awesome, man. And uh, Regal got um, 20, 26 points in the end. Wow. Um, so top of the table. But just, just missing out in the top spot where the ECW Zombie, the Summer of Punk, Bret Hart goes to WCW, DDP, and uh, Tactics title. So nice. those were just missing out in the top spot there. So, But yeah, that, that's our official top five, folks. So at number five, we have a joint between um, Right to Censor and John Cena. At number four, we have Kurt Angle's retirement. At number three, Sean O'Hare. At number two, Keith Lee. And at number one, King Regal. Bloody William Regal. Well, that was a whole bunch of fun. So mm-hmm. let's, uh, let, let's wrap this old episode up, should we? No, let's do it again. Okay, let's <laughs> Alright folks, resubmit your top fives for us. Um, we're Here gonna we do go. this over Dylan disagrees, so you know, let's uh, let's all vote for Mike Canellis. Right, does that's number five? It should be number <laughs> one. <laughs> it should be number super one. Like above one. Super one, yeah, extra yeah. one. One yeah. with like a little star next to it. It's just saying <laughs> yeah. it's extra one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap the episode up. That's it, folks. That's uh, the the K Fabi Award settled. So that's King Regal being ranked at number one, followed by Keith Lee, Sean O'Hare, Kurt Angle, and then a joint between Stevie Richards and John Cena. So thanks again to everyone listening and, and everyone who submitted their picks. Boy, it was fun going through everyone's thoughts and rankings. That was for the first five seasons of making K So who knows? Maybe in a few years we'll do this again in season ten. Season 10 may be a few years away, but Season 6 is not. This is the first pre-season bonus episode for Season 6. The first official brand new rebooking is going to be coming on May 17th. But before then, next week, we've got something very special. Bro? If you bro what I mean. I don't... I don't... I don't follow. Next week, it's Book It Late Russo 4, bro! Oh... 
Now you get it. Our get good it friend now. Tyler, who designs our episode artwork, he's going to come and join us again for free bookings, which are just a little bit Vince Russo influenced. <laughs> Trust me, folks, if you enjoyed the first three, you're going to love what we've got coming up for the fourth instalment. Until then, you can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Making Kayfabe. If you want to chuck us a few quid to support Making Kayfabe, our Patreon page is patreon.com forward slash Making Kayfabe. There are now 16 exclusive rebookings on our Patreon page. That's 16 episodes that you haven't heard before, with the most recent booking of Pete Dunne being released just last week. There's a lot of other cool shit there too, and hey, that's everything. Anything you want to say, Dylan? We just want to say thank you very much to everybody. Like, it's crazy that we got to this point and that you guys have voted in your favorite episodes. Like, yeah. isn't that wild that we've got to the point where we can make a like a top five episode like this? But, you know. And have 15 people voting it. Do you remember when we yeah. fucking were, were wondering if we ever get 15 views? You know, yeah. and then we've got 15 people voting on their top five episodes. It's so crazy. It's like, it's. It's really it generally nice. does give that warm kind of fuzzy feeling inside. And that's just yeah. not being cliche. Like, it makes it feel good. So, yeah, we appreciate it, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. really appreciate your support. You're so fucking awesome. We love you. Even if some of you are obsessed with crab hands. We love all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Even if none of you voted for Mike Canellas. Even if... Yeah, that hurts, man. Right that really hurts. One, that, you know, that's like stabbing the knife in and then twisting it. But, hey, what, 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 what can you do? Um, it's, it's a pretty damn good top five, but... Thanks again, folks. Take it easy. Look after yourselves. And we will see you again next week for Book It Like Russo, bro. Goodbye. Bro. 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 Bro.